0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Acts 1, 1 through 14. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me, John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away, and as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, James's son, all were united in their devotion to prayer, among with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Good morning. So this is week three for me in Seattle. And every morning I get up and I have to go from where I'm living to here. So I go from here to there every morning. I have not taken the same route from here to there on any given morning of any morning for three weeks now. I think I take a different way every day. And I've also found that people have advice on how to get from here to there. And today we're talking about where do we go from here? Well, every morning we, you and I, get up. You're going to get up. You got up this morning, and you said, "How am I going to get there?" Right? So, what are some of the ways you use? I'm looking for some more advice this morning to get from here to there. What do you guys use? How do you navigate Seattle traffic and Seattle city? How do you do that? A nav What's that? A nav, system. A nav system, right? So, what are some navigational systems we use? Ways, I've tried that, doesn't work. <laughs> what else? Oh, yeah. Google Maps, tried that, it works sometimes. What, what's that? One bus away. One bus away. So buses, I haven't tried that yet. I'm considering bus work, getting on a bus. I've also considered uh, bike getting on my bike and biking down here, right? I've tried to figure out that route. That may be an option. But every time we always have to figure out how we're gonna get from here to there. Has anybody never, have you ever had a situation, maybe you shouldn't answer this question, have you ever had a situation where you didn't get there? I mean, every day I get there, right? I always get there, even though I don't know how I'm going to get from here to there, I always get there, right? I think this applies to, to churches, and today I want to talk to the church, to us as a faith community, about where we are now and where is there for us as a church. Now, we don't know where there is, do we? <laughs> In fact, that's the big question is where is there and so one of the disadvantages we have is we don't know yet how to navigate to there because we don't know where there is and Bill Hybels who's a pastor and in, in leadership he talks about how do we move and help churches move from here to there and he talks about leading churches from here to there but the first thing we have to figure out as a church is where there is and then what do we find happens when we do find that there is somewhere we figure out where there is have you ever gotten home from a trip and, you know, like multiple people show up, you know, if you va- go on vacation with other families or other friends, everybody shows up, what's the first thing you talk about when you get there? How you got there, right? And who got there the best way? Especially if you're me. I'm always comb- like, how long did it take you to get there, right? Who had the best time to get there? And my kids will tell you, if you're on a road trip with dad, we're not stopping We are going to get there, right? And so we talk about here to there. So I want to talk about that. But the first thing, you know, that's what kind of the disciples about to become apostles here are saying in the book of Acts. Jesus, what do you want us to do? I want you to notice the first thing that they're supposed to do in figuring out their mission. Maybe you missed it in the reading this morning. So let's take a look at it again. It's in verse four and five here in Acts where Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing they're supposed to do? Wait. Right. Isn't that hard to wait? Especially if you're sitting in traffic trying to get there, right? That's the impatience part of us. It's hard for us to wait. And he's basically commanding them, first thing they're supposed to do is to wait. To wait for the Holy Spirit. And I think whenever a church has to navigate from here to there, whenever they have to answer that question, where are we going from here? They have to wait on God. They have to listen for the Holy Spirit. They have to say, God, where is it that you are calling us? And who are you calling us to be? The other question, though, that the apostles then respond. And, you know, it's always easy to look back at the disciples and apostles and go, I wouldn't have done that, right? Because we got hindsight. we've got hindsight, we've read the whole book of Acts, some of us, and we've read in the scripture, we don't always see their question. But think about it, none of Acts has happened yet. They have not discovered and experienced the Holy Spirit in their lives, and all of a sudden, what's happening? Is they're saying, what, what's the question they're asking Jesus? Hey, is, is now the time you're going to restore what? The kingdom of Israel. See, one of the temptations for us as human beings, and I think it was their temptation as well, is that we want to take what Jesus taught about the kingdom, right? The kingdom was expansive. They had seen the the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they had these teachings on the kingdom, this expansive kingdom. And what do they do? They want to say, can we fit the kingdom of God into our nation? So they take this big kingdom of God and they say, let's fit it in what we know, right? Do churches ever do that? Does the church ever do that? Does the church ever take the kingdom of God and try and make it fit just in their church? One church? I think the kingdom of God is bigger than one church. And oftentimes one of the mistakes we make in church, I'm not talking just the first free church, but the churches all across America, is we try and take the kingdom of God and we try and fit it in to one church. When I mean, the kingdom is so much bigger, We try and do that because it seems like the disciples, it seems to be beyond their imagination what Jesus has in mind. They can't even think about what Jesus has in mind because they have yet to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So they don't even even know what they don't know. And so, you know, like Henry Ford said, if he had asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. Right? We tend to go with what we know rather than open to the work of God that may be bigger than we can imagine. So churches have to think kingdom bigger. You know, they, the apostles, the disciples were thinking faster horse and Jesus was thinking something totally different. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he goes on and he is patient with them and then he goes on and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what he is giving them is he is giving them a mission. He's giving them the mission of the kingdom. We know that to be, to be witnesses. We also know from Matthew chapter 28 we're to make disciples. So we, our mission is already clear. Our mission has already been laid out for us. And it's the empowering of the Holy Spirit that comes and helps us accomplish our mission. But our mission is what Jesus is saying. It's, it's our witness. How are we witnesses to this kingdom? How are we witnesses to to what Jesus is calling us to do and to be in the world. And what does that witness look like? You know, one of the things I appreciate already about first church is there's a missional DNA in this church. Do you all recognize that? I hope you recognize it. But one of the things I've already recognized here is there's this kind of DNA strand within the life of this church that is missional that wants to be on mission, that wants to accomplish a mission, that wants to do something for Christ. And I think that's a good thing for a church to have, that it looks beyond itself, just as you heard about Tent City this morning, right? We're looking beyond ourselves, into our neighborhoods, and into our neighbors. I've heard from missionaries around the world that are looking beyond just the city of Seattle to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we have a missional DNA here. And I would add to that, though, that First Church is just one missional outpost of the kingdom among many. So I got that from E. Stanley Jones, who I've referenced before, but he says the church is more a missional outpost of this bigger kingdom. And really we're a one missional outpost probably among many in Seattle and in the area. And what does it look like for us to be this missional outpost of the kingdom? See, because I think one of the temptations, again, of the church is that we often want to save the church rather than proclaim the kingdom. I, I heard a little bit of that when I came here. Pastor Matt's coming. He's going to what? He's going to save our church. I'm not here to save the church. In fact, I can't save the church. It's humanly impossible for me to save the church. And E. Stanley Jones said this, he said, but if the church concentrates its endeavors in saving itself, it will lose itself for it will break the law of the kingdom. He that saveth his life shall lose it. He or she that saveth his life shall lose it and he or she that loses their lives shall find it. That's a law of the kingdom. And anytime we try and save ourselves, we'll miss the kingdom will actually lose the kingdom. And so we are called to be a missional outpost of this kingdom. And what that means is that we have to make sure the mission is the main thing that we are accomplishing. What do I mean by that? Well, I was a church planner in a previous life, and Don came up to me one Sunday morning just before worship. And Don came up to me, and Don and his wife Travilla were lifelong Methodists. They had grown up in the Methodist Church. They were quite a few years older than I was. I won't say their age. Doesn't matter. But what matters is that they had grown up in this very uh, this church, this Methodist church that they knew. And we were planting a new kind of church. And as we were coming to worship one morning, a few years into this church plant, Don came up to me and he said, "Uh, "Pastor." you know, I don't like the music here, because we were doing what we call postmodern, modern modern music, and he came to let me know that he didn't like the music in the church, and then he went on and he said, "Uh, you know, I really miss singing those hymns from the hymnal. And as a pastor, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, I know what's coming next. Pat, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to ask me for some hymns, right? That's what I'm assuming is that as a church planner and trying to, because we were trying to reach unchurched people. So we were doing things a little differently and he was missing his home church and missing what he knew. And he, and so I, I just assumed that Don was going to say, pastor, can we have some more hymns in worship? And I was getting ready for that question. And then he said this, he said, you know, but I've decided it doesn't matter anymore that I can't sing the hymns that I grew up with. He said, because I look around our church and I see people's lives being changed. I see young people following Jesus Christ. I see people who are now believers who are not believers and that is awesome. And he said, I am here because of the mission of our church, not because of the music. And I thought about that and I thought about that moment Don's soul was singing a new song. You know, the psalmist said to sing a new song, right? I don't think it meant sing a new song that someone wrote and sang. I think his soul was singing a new song that morning because he was able to sing. His heart was singing. His soul was singing because he could see the mission of the church was being fulfilled. And so he was singing a new song in his soul, not just a physical new song. And the point of that is, is that in this missional kingdom, we have to understand that mission drives style, models, methods, strategies, whatever it is. It is all driven by the mission of the kingdom of the church. It is not driven by other things that are there to help us to fulfill the mission that Christ calls us to. The other thing I've learned about the mission in the kingdom is that it spreads relationally. You know, if you look at this, Jesus says, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we often think, what? Geography. Is that what you think? okay, so I'm wondering if the apostles were thinking, Hey, let's go to, they went to Jerusalem, but is our next stop Judea? And then once we get to Judea, then we go to Samaria. You know, they were thinking here to there was geography. I don't think, my interpretation is that Jesus wasn't necessarily saying, I want you to go to these specific places. As much as he was saying the kingdom expands. The kingdom is expansive and it expands relationally. If you read through the rest of the book of Acts, you and I would see that the kingdom expands by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And it expands relationally, not just geographically. And I think that's what Jesus was saying is that this kingdom spreads relationally. But too often we step in and we don't allow that to happen. I've seen the church do this. Not that, I'm not saying the church, this church, but I'm, you know what I'm saying, right? You all with me? You still with me? Still with me in the balcony? All right, good, I'm, I'm seeing hands, that's good. So we're talking about the church, capital C. So I was on a board to plant churches in the northeast and we had a board meeting. and. Uh, Two day board meeting, and I was in the board meeting. A proposal was brought by the bishop that we needed to shut down a house church in New Jersey, that we needed to tell it to stop doing things, to go back to New York City. That's my read on it. Because what had happened is there was a church in New York City that had started a church, and they were planting house churches all around New York City, and one of those churches expanded into New Jersey. They went across the bridge, across the river, and started in New Jersey, and the house church had grown from six to 18 people. It had tripled in its attendance. And the area churches in New Jersey were getting upset that this church was in their territory. Oh my, my, my. Is that kingdom? Is that a kingdom-minded thought? And they said, "Well." So the bishop said, "We need to shut this church. I'm proposing we tell this church to go away." And I'm going, "What?" You know, I didn't say it that way out loud, right? <laughs> but as the bishop was proposing this, I said to, "I did, you know, I did something you're not supposed to do in this circle. Is actually question a bishop." So, see, somebody a long time ago in history drew an imaginary boundary, a geographical boundary that said, your ministry needs to stay on this side of this imaginary boundary, and this other ministry needs to stay on this side of the imaginary boundary, and that boundary was set before any of us were born. And I said to the bishop, I said, so you, I wanna get this straight. I did say that. Every once in a while I get myself in trouble. I apologize ahead of time. I said, Bishop, are you, do you mean to tell me that we're going to let a, 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 a boundary that the church denomination has set stop the work of the Holy Spirit in this church's life? Whew. There was a lot of hemming and hawing and hemming and hawing. And then finally the answer was yes, that's what we're going to do. And I got outvoted. But what I'm saying is that we forget that the kingdom is not about geography. The kingdom and the work and the mission is relationships. And we can't help what the Holy Spirit is doing in relationships when it crosses those boundaries. The Holy Spirit works that way. The Holy Spirit empowers that way. It says, I'm going to take these six people in New Jersey and I'm going to help them become 18 people in New Jersey. That's a Holy Spirit thing. That's not, and that's a kingdom thing. That's a mission thing. That's not a geography lesson. So we have to keep that in mind because here's the thing. Relationships are more important than being right. Relationships are more important than being right. And when we're on mission, when we're in the kingdom, when we're in the missional outpost of the church, we have to keep in mind that our relationship to God, our relationship to one another that God calls us to in this kingdom, has got to be priority. I was in Annapolis. Annapolis is a boating town, sailing town, naval academy. A lot of sailors in Annapolis. A lot of people spend their weekends out on their boats, much like Seattle, I imagine. And so one morning we had Youth Sunday where we encouraged the youth to help with worship. And I was actually talking to a young man later in life. He relayed this story to me because he was agnostic. He had left the church. And I asked him the question, what? So you grew up in the church, but you no longer want to have anything to do with God. You no longer want to have anything to do with the church. What happened? So he relayed this story to me. He said, well, I showed up for you Sunday one morning, and I reported to the head usher. And I got up that morning, I had a jacket on, I had a tie on, I had a button-up shirt on, I had my khakis on, and I put my boat shoes on. My boat shoes, you know, because that's what we wear in Annapolis, right? We're boaters. And so he put his boat shoes on, but he didn't put on any socks with his boat shoes. Like, it was already bad enough he had boat shoes and not dress shoes. But then on top of that, he didn't have socks on. So he said, I reported to the head usher at church that morning and I had my jacket, my tie, my everything was good. And the head usher looked at me and looked at my shoes and saw that I didn't have any socks on. And he said, I needed to go home and put socks on if I were going to usher in that church. You know, there are sometimes I like to have a come to Jesus meeting with ushers. What happened in that moment? The usher was more concerned with looking the right way than relationship with this young man. He was more concerned with doing looking right on the outside rather than honoring and prioritizing his relationship to the young man. And more importantly, through that, not understanding that this impacted and influenced this young man's relationship to God and to the church and to the kingdom and to Christ. Now, I'm not not blaming that usher for everything that happened in that young man's faith journey, but that was the thing that he told me. It stuck with him for years. Think about that. Think about how sometimes our need to be right sometimes gets in the way of someone else's relationship with God. So the mission is always relational. So let me wrap this up. So how do we know where there is? How do we know... We're here, but how do we get there? Where do we go from here? Let me say this. I don't know where there is yet. I do know that it's got to be about the kingdom. And it's got to be about the mission of the kingdom. That it has to be about relationships. And it has to be about these things. But we're going to discern together where there is. And actually, I'm going to be putting together next year, not right now, but in the beginning of next year, we're going to pull together a discernment team in our church... To help discern together where there is. Where is God leading our church? And the two questions we're going to be asking that team to come up answer are this. Who is God calling us to be as a kingdom be, people? So who is it that we're called to be? And then the second question is what is God calling us to do as a missional outpost of this kingdom? You got that? Who are we to be as kingdom people? And what are we to do as a missional outpost of this kingdom? And then you may be saying, okay, well, that's great, Pastor, but what now? What do we do now? What do you think we do? We wait. We wait for the Holy Spirit. So here's three things I think the Holy Spirit would want us to do as we go from here. Where do we go from here? Three things. First thing I would say, worship God. Worship God. We just simply show up and worship. And I mean, When I mean show up, I mean show up. <laughs> I don't mean just be present. You know, like, all right, I'll, I'll let you in on Matt's world. So sometimes I can be in my house with my family and not fully present to them, right? Or I can be watching TV with the clicker and someone else in my family is trying to talk to me, but I am not present to them. I am physically present, but I am not fully present. You all get it? You know what I'm saying? Can I get a witness again this morning? Right? All right. So to worship God is to be fully present to God in worship. And that may mean that we're going to have to set aside some of our preconceptions about worship and just simply show up worship. Some of you who know the Bible remember the story of David dancing in his underwear, right? If you don't know that story, go look it up this afternoon, read your Bible, that'd be great. That's not going to happen here in First Church. Let me just put that out there. (laughs) You're not going to see me dancing in my underwear. I don't want to see anybody else dancing in their underwear. There are some things that we do need to get right. That's one of them. But David danced and worshipped, and he was fully present to the worship of God. There was somebody else who wasn't in worship, his wife. And what she did was she critiqued his worship. And I know I have a bad habit of going in and visiting churches, and what do I do? I sit down in a pew, and I sit there and go, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Or I would have sung it that way, right? I'm I'm just assuming I'm the only one that does that. I'm sure you guys are great about that. But what I'm saying is when we show up to worship, we show up to worship God. Our eyes are on God, not on the worshipers. Number two, I would say, follow Jesus. You know, this isn't rocket science, folks. Worship God, follow Jesus. What does it look like for you to follow Jesus today? What would Jesus do today? What would it look like for you to follow Jesus today, tomorrow, next week? What does that look like for you in your life, in your context, in your relationships? And would people know that you're trying to follow Jesus? Emphasize the word trying. We're all trying to follow Jesus. We're not perfect. Follow Jesus. Worship God. And then last thing, listen to the Spirit. I think the church, we as a church, just need to learn again anew what it looks like to listen to the Spirit, to let the Spirit lead us, to listen, discern. And what did the disciples need to do? They needed to pray to listen. Not just send up some requests to God we, when we're doing all the talking, but really to sit and to listen and say, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? What are you calling us to do and to be individually and corporately? So let's pray.